Welcome once again to Sky Sessions, the Skyweaver podcast. We apologize for missing last week. We have been having some trouble scheduling with the design team. So here we are again, just the three of us, Sidus, Just Ed Bacon, and myself, Blaine Cantle. Uh, we're still planning on having the design team, but it's unclear when that's going to happen right now. But you can expect that episode at some point. Uh, this is going to be a good episode. We'll be talking about uh, deck making, dual prism hero powers, the contest, and we'll also be talking about the current state of the game. Thanks for jo- joining us, and thanks for being here, Bacon and Cytus. How are you today, Cytus? Uh, I'm doing really great, except we are having a typhoon in my country here, uh, which probably makes the thing even better, because uh, we get a free day off from the government. So that means more video games for me, because I don't care about <laughs> anything from typhoon. So yeah. How's your day, Bacon? Ah, uh, my day's gone pretty well. I've been preparing for classes for the next semester, so for probably like four hours today, I was reading a textbook on causal inference, doing all kinds of things like direct acyclical graphs and linear regressions, and oh boy, that stuff is just riveting. Isn't it though? Oh, you have no idea. That's making some assumptions. (laughs) But yeah. That's good. Well, I hope you're safe in the typhoon status. Uh, You said before the episode you are, but just let our listeners know you're good, you're safe, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, I'm pretty safe. Titus, you better not lie to me. Well, I mean, the only thing about the typhoon is uh, it rains really heavily. But uh, I'm not the kind of guy that goes out every, every time. So, yeah, it just prevents me from going out, uh, which means it prevents nothing, because I was always playing <laughs> video games. <laughs> Sounds good. Sorry, that sounds like at the start of the whole COVID pandemic, when everyone's like, oh no, I don't have to go to work? I have to stay here and just be in my house all day? No, darn. Anyways... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you kind of remind me that uh, when I first see Skyver, I was like, oh, uh, I, I cannot go outdoors anyway, so a new card games? Yeah, sure. And I, w- I was like playing 10 to 12 hours a day when it first came out. And um, since we are discussing uh, the uh, new starter expansion in the recent episode, I also like to say that it feels like a new games again, because the meta is so different, and we get new abilities, so uh, it's, I I was expecting the interview with so much hype, and I'm feeling a bit sorry it get delayed, but uh, having a section with you guys to discuss about the game is always nice. Yeah, I basically just... You... Oh. Go first, Handle. No, I wasn't talking to you, Bacon, when I was saying I was missing. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Bacon, you're good. <laughs> oh, I was just going to point out that Sidus basically said that, like, we're not Coulter or Armada, but, like, we're good enough for him. And I don't know how uh, to feel about yeah. that. We're not I Coulter mean, or Armada. Blank Handle is good enough. <laughs> I'm not sure about you. <laughs> we're getting to it early this episode. <laughs> Aside, this is like, Handle is decent enough that it's worth putting up with me for. (laughs) 
Well, I take that as a high compliment. Thank you. Yeah, that's how you know you're really worth something, Handle. What do you guys want to start with talking about? You want to talk about how you've been playing this week and what decks you've been enjoying? Oh, uh, yeah, we can do uh, that. Yeah, sure. Sidus, you go first. I got something spicy. Okay, so uh, let me check my uh, deck list. Uh, I was literally playing anything that was in my deck collection, and I see uh, Ari Water, CT Death, Horic Fire, Boron Drew. Uh, Banjo Water and uh, Classic Lotus Lamp deck. So I have all these decks, and when I want to play Skyweaver, I just choose uh, the random one of them. And I was like in top top 20 right now, so that probably means I was doing pretty good this week. And uh, I think things doesn't really change a lot with the Battle Patch 119. Uh, I think the intention of this patch is to nerf the Sanya and Lotus to a certain degree, but I still play against a lot of Lotus and Sanya. Um, the Lotus, I think they are, uh, their win rate is definitely slightly uh, decreased, but uh, sometimes it can still feel pretty frustrating to play against the Infinite Infinities, so... Uh, I think the nerf is well deserved, but it doesn't really uh, solve the uh, frustration about this card. But um, I mean, the design of this card is really interesting. But I don't know really, I don't really know how to put it into a balanced state yet. Okay, so a lot of Lotus and Senya, and after they add the plus plus four starting heals for dual present hero, uh, we also see a decent amount of Banjo and Exo. And I remember seeing uh, some community member posting the win rate of decks in Conquest. And if I remember correctly, EXO also have positive win rate uh, in Conquest. And on rank, I also play into a, a, a bit of EXO deck and it feels pretty solid. Um, I mean, uh, it's, it's built around the Longboy string, but uh, it feels like it has its own edge comparing to a pure Boran list, so it's definitely a, a interesting thing to see. Consider the fact that uh, Mono Prison ability is so powerful right now, and we got some playable dual prince de deck. When I was playing Horic Fire, I also feel the deck is okay because uh, it is pretty resilient to um, early Senor Bomington because we also run Cloud Swipe. Uh, a lot of locals removal spells and things like Friend Phoenix to deal with their uh, early uh, blasting turn. And it also cheats into a certain degree. For example, we can uh, play Holding Home into Trident True. We also have Discover into Malamander and the Resurrection of Malamander from the Grave. So it feels still pretty solid to play Horrifier. Uh, yeah, so that's my conclusion about the recent playing experience. Yeah, I was going to ask if that Horc Fire was the Mother Mander version, because that is pretty strong, throwing out a Mother Mander, having it die, in, uh, or throwing out Discover into Mother Mander into Rise from Scrap is pretty hard to deal with. Yeah, and I think the issue about Senya is that she's so good at dealing with your early board, 
with he the hero ability. But if you somehow find a way to go really, really wide, uh, unless they draw some weird AOE options, which I didn't see a lot in Senior List, uh, they can really kill a very, very wide board. And that's exactly what Mother Mender is good at doing. Yeah, uh, Bacon, you mentioned that you have some spicy list to share with us before the deck uh, episode. Do you want to do it right now? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm going to go on ahead and send y'all the link. I got really tired of playing into Zoe, or not Zoe, Samya and Lotus just constantly, because that is basically what the ranked ladder is. There are people who are playing like other various things, but uh, any semblance of diversity is coming from re decks that are just removal piles like lotus and then they try to win the lotus matchup by having more burn or ada decks which are mostly being driven by new players who don't actually have a lot of cards yet and like outside of that it's just samya and lotus so uh i got creative i wanted to build something that really just countered those two decks and threw away all of its other matchups because i didn't care and what i came up with was a zoe light deck so uh yeah, Zoe has a really nice collection of, like, good 1, 2, 3, and even 4 mana light units. Like, uh, Avatar of Light is really good healing. It's not good for, like, card advantage. It's not really good for board control, per se. But against Samya decks, things like card advantage, board control, you're already going to lose that fight because her hero power is completely insane. So, you don't really worry about that. We've also got Saber and Rags. I'll come back to those in a bit royal princess or royal priestess and uh one of my new favorite cards ancient sphinx and ancient sphinx kind of like ties everything together this card is very good it is a seven mana five five with guard and on play it summons your highest health dead unit you can do really good things with this because in the same like light package you have you can just easily pick up sentinel of kai because you know it has five health and sentinel of kai is like a very busted good unit so you know Playing that twice and also having like a 5-5 guard is very good. Other great things you can do, you can summon Eclipse Mummy with it because it has 6 health. Whenever you do that, or really whenever you summon anything, it'll also summon rags and you'll get extra value. And especially spicy is you can summon Abyss Lion with it, which will then summon its Zomboids. You can summon Pharaonus, which, well, yeah, you know, it's a 7 mana Pharaonus with also a 5-5. Or, because we also have access to agility cards, you can even summon Iragos the Branded. So the stack works strictly to beat Samya and Lotus, and it does so on two fronts. For Samya, Samya's ability is very good at just manufacturing card value, so we've got a lot of cute tricks for negating her advantage. As a turn 1 play, either playing Rags or Saber is both really unkind for Samya. Because Samya's win condition is constantly, and on every turn, removing your board. She has to remove your board. Because agility units are actually not that good. They're kind of frail. They do good damage, but like they're brittle. So you really have to maintain board control with agility. You drop these guys early, and they're one-mana units. But guess what? Samya doesn't care. She needs board control. She has to banner through them. She has to spend charges. She has to do something. And a lot of the stack versus Samya is just trying to deplete her resources. It's kind of like a grinder in that way. We have Jacko into Vile Deal down on the low cost. Also just to get us like a lot of draw power. Because we have an extra 4 health from that Vitality. 4 health does matter. 
And, you know, we can generate card advantage out of this very quickly. Samia will also pick up Vile Deal, but we don't really care. We can plus one her with other things. And along the curve, it starts getting very easy to just drop her down to zero. We have tools like Impale that gets rid of things. We run Slash as a Songbird tech. It can poke their hero. It can poke a Songbird. It can do both at the same time. We've got Scarabot. And then up top, we've got things like Zapata that draws. Drillbot is just a great unit. It also helps with Songbirds. And then on top, we have that top end like I mentioned earlier. It works against Samya. And it works for a few reasons. Again, like we have a bunch of ways to drain her resources. But we also have a like curve on the top that can just wall her out completely. Her tools for getting through big, chunky guard units are not that great. Normally that doesn't matter, because normally you just see big chunky guard units in Ada and you laugh because they come down on turn 5 and you already won. But we've got extra health here, we've got a bunch of lifesteal units, we have cheap removal so we can actually get to that point in the game. You can drop an honor guard, you've got ancient sphinx with stuff, abyss lion has a shield. Once you start curving out there, they just lose, they can't kill you. And on top of that, you know, you've got really good like heart floaters. Homebrew is a really good unit for the stack. Honestly, all of these cards, they aren't individually that strong, but they work together very well to counter your Samya. At the same time, we also want to beat Lotus. How do we beat Lotus? Uh, it's very cringe. It's called Raise the Banners. This card is not good. It's not actually like a very useful card. It's only good in the very specific instance of trying to just burn Lotus to death. Because Lotus plays like no units. He just doesn't want to, Frankly, in the Samya matchup, Lotus would rather not play units, because Samya can generate tempo by defeating his units for zero mana. If you don't invest those resources and you just spend your time ramping, you actually stall the Samya's progress. So that kind of sucks for most editor decks, because you run things like Clawswipe, like Deadweight, and you want to play those onto units. But here, we just have this card, and it just piles infinite burn damage into your opponent, because, you know... Every light unit you play now, it has banner, and like you just keep piling damage into them. On top, you can use things like uh, raise the banners, giving you all that banner to actually set up a Irigos for cheap. And if you play it and that doesn't kill them, guess what? You have Scarabot, you have Ancient Sphinx, you can play it two, three times in a game. And at that point, if you don't win, you're just bad at the game. So like that one's on you. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the whole deck. It, this would not work in any other meta. It is only successful because Samia and Lotus are such linear polarized designs that it's possible to triangulate between the two of them. You want to hear the, the first thing I, I have to say about this deck? You are running a light banner list and we don't have Mountain Lion. I feel so sad for Mountain I Lion. I tried Mountain Lion. I tried it for like 20 games. I love its art, I like its design, I like its effect. Mountain Lion is a bad card, it just does not work. For 7 mana, what does it do? It does 2 points of face damage, and like it's not even that reliable of a wall. It gets in the way of what are frankly better summons with like Abyss Lion, and it's not worth the investment. Like even if you have like a full board of banner, you know what you're doing with your hero, you're taking recoil damage, you usually just want to punch that banner into their face. Because, like, if it's versus Zamya, the banner doesn't help you. All you care about, you just need to, like, 
drop their units to zero, but you're not achieving that with Banner. If anything, you're probably worse off trying to do that with Banner. And also, you know, it's a seven mana unit that gets defeated by, like, Imposter. So it's it's not good. And, like, against Lotus, it doesn't really add a lot either. There's always the attraction of trying to find some way to play Lion, and then, like, Banner, Priestess, Banner, Saber, something else. And then get Ira Ghost really cheap. But as soon as you play Lion, it just dies the next turn. Because it has like 6 health. And Lotus just has good removal. Ari also can just defeat it very easily. Like, it should be a good card. I couldn't get it to work here. And like, I tried. I really did. Okay. And also, I don't think you are ever going to beat Ari with this list. Oh! Unless they draw really, really bad. No, no, this... Literally, uh, yeah, literally a few hours before playing, you can see in one of my last games, I beat Rod with this deck, and oh man, I was so satisfied. <laughs> I haven't gone back and, like, looked at their hand. It might have been a bad hand, but I've actually, like, brought a decent number of floaters to kind of deal with the removal pile. Our cheaper units kind of get slacked by Ari just deleting everything. But we have things like Trident True, we have Eclipse, Eclipse Mummy, Zapata. And then we also have our armor units and like Honor Guard and Drillbot. So it's not it's not a terrible matchup. Okay. Yeah, Honor just... Guard specifically is super frustrating for Ari. Yeah. Because you can't freeze it and you can't zap it or you can't trident it. Yeah. I tried I tried a version of this that ran tireless iteration. Because there is a lot of good tireless iteration targets in here, like Scarabot, Drillbot, Honor Guard. And then also, you know, it extends your late game. So you can do things like Pharaohness with Dash, uh, Ancient Sphinx with Lifesteal or Armor. Or you can just slap it onto a mummy, give Lifesteal to things. But it competes with Avatar of Light, it competes with Jacko. And in the current meta, tireless iteration is very easy to disrupt. A lot of things are running like Chains. There's a lot of ways that stuff can get dusted, especially, like, freaking Gleam Guide can dust your tireless iteration, and that's, like, such a stupid interaction, but every Samia deck runs Gleam Guide, so you can't really rely on it. Yeah. And also, I still think even uh, Arby's deck can also run Trends, but if you run enough yeah, armor, anchor drop. They, they will be, yeah, just Anchor Drop, I think. But they are still very afraid of armored unit. Like, if you play uh, Honor Guard on 5 and Mighty Steed on 6, as an Ari player, they will absolutely hate you. Yeah. You know, Mighty Steed is a unit that I didn't have in here for a while, but that was because I was running Anointed Flame. I've taken out Anointed Flame, but I'm not running Mighty Steed. That might be a mistake. Yeah, Mighty Steed is like uh, the only good... I I think the best unit has six codes. <laughs> it you might not be wrong. It may actually be the only good six cost unit. Well, yeah. Geode <laughs> might be good. Geode depends. It's Geode is sometimes. Oh, and there's Mother Mander. X Treefolk. No, no. There's a lot of good six mana units. Junk Golem, Orion, Shell Officer. That's it though. You could make an argument for Giant Mummy, I guess. I tried it. It's oh, it's a it's cool. a fine card. It's not bad. It's a good uh, Sphinx pull, but like, there's better things to play with uh, Ancient Sphinx. 
It's good in Boron. You can create a lot of uh, board out of just one of those, at least five units out of one play, you know. Yeah. Oh, I also run it in my CT death list. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. What do you guys think about, like, mummies not dusting themselves anymore? Uh, I personally liked it when they dusted themselves for most of my play, but there were also some decks where it was frustrating, but... Um, overall, you know what? It kind of makes better undergrowth, maybe a little bit. I hadn't thought of that before because no one's yeah. playing undergrowth. Yeah, undergrowth is like a good thing to do with that. I kind of, when mummies originally got moved to dusting, I remember I was very pissed because a lot of the meta at the time, like the control side of the meta was very reliant on Grave Royal and death effect setups to uh, actually generate value and last in a long game. And mummies were kind of the only, or they were like the bulky healing option. Because you could run a full mummy package, and then you could run unfallow, and you could run forest heart. And there's actually, I don't know if the videos are still around, but there was a tournament game I played. It was one of the like Sky Champions deals or whatever, where I played against some, I don't remember what the other deck was. But I was playing Axel with like the full mummy package. And I remember yeah, it was Death City because they dropped like four fireballs on me. The fireball was only nine damage at the time and it wasn't as good. It was like nine mana or ten mana. It was much weaker. But uh I had so many mummies stacked up throughout that game that even after all of that I was still sitting at like 40 health or some shit. And after that, Coulter was like, you know, these should probably dust themselves. It was a well. If forty health is a metric for balance changes, I think ninety nine should be a metric for balance changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, this is a digression, but like one nineteen was a massive miss of a patch. Tireless iterate or not tireless iteration? What do I mean? Infinite infinities. Infinite. Definitely the same card. Yeah, infinities is not a healthy card. Not how it plays with Lotus's ability. I agree. I I get. You know, actually, if you've listened to this podcast, you know my least favorite play type is um, removal ramp, ramp removal. So I don't know. I I, uh, I don't like playing against Lotus at all. Yeah. Well, because like a lot of your cards are just dead. Like, take my Zoe list for example. I have teched this heavily for the Lotus matchup. I have tried as hard as I can. To not have anything that is just bad in the Lotus matchup. Not because Lotus is like especially prevalent. Or because Lotus is especially dominating. But just because I hate losing to Lotus it feels awful. And it's a massive waste of my time. So I actually enjoy the game more. When I know that I am punishing people who are playing that deck. And even despite my best efforts I still have to run Deadweight. Which is kind of just a wasted card versus Lotus. Until they play Nihilus on turn 7 probably. But, like, even then, okay, I, I played my answer. You still have 20 mana, 10 more health, and, like, 5 extra cards. So I kind of just prolonged the game. Like, and what do you do if you build a normal deck? Like, what do you do if you run Strike Down? Uh, you just uh, throw it away from your opening hand and hope you don't draw it. Yeah, and then you pray they don't happen to draw the uh, little Water Wisp. Because if they have that, you'll wish you had Strike Down. But the odds of them having that is only as likely as the odds of you having Strike Down. So, 
you already got strike down. Do you gamble on the one in five chance of them having the one of two units that they play in the opening game? I don't think you do. Because, like, if you guess wrong, you're down a card for, like, the entire game, basically. Yeah. But should we punish people for running strike down? I think that's wrong. Uh, I think we still just throw it away. And in some cases, if they just play Water Wisp, uh, we just leave it there. Because they will be the one who trade into our own unit. Like, if we are going first and I drop any, any one drops, uh, I, I, I still just go face. And you just treat Water Wisp as, as a removal, which does two damage. So not having strike down is like okay. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, the mummies. Yeah, I was really upset whenever they changed them. But frankly, I wish that they would go back to dusting on death. It opens up a lot of things with like grave synergies, and grave synergies are already kind of in a rough spot, design wise, not balance wise. Yeah, the issue of giant mummy. I think Giant Mummy is really a cool card, and also, uh, in terms of power level, it's good enough to run in any uh, death effect list. But um, adding mummies in your graveyard can be troublesome sometimes, especially that um, you want to curve it on six, and then on seven you have uh, one of the new cards that I like a lot, which is Bond of Duty. But if they manage to answer your board, uh, usually they will kill Giant Mummy first, and they, they kill the Royal Mummy. And if you play Bond of Duty now, uh, you just summon two Royal Mummies, which is uh, <laughs> not the best thing you want to do with 7 mana. But Sidus, so... it's a plus one! It's a plus one play! <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's, it's like a worst, worst possible version of Unfailo. Yeah. Man. You want to know, like, when I was just terrible at card games, I was in high school playing Hearthstone, and I had barely learned about, like, card advantage theory and all of that, and, like, how to count cards against your opponent, and, like, that's a measure of how you can, like, make good plays or not. But, like, I didn't understand that card quality was also an element of that. So, like, I'd build these really weird rogue decks that would technically go plus one, or, like, never go minus on their cards. And then I'd see somebody play like Shadow Step or whatever, and I'd go, what the hell? Why are they doing that? And then I'd lose and I'd be upset. <laughs> Absolutely no comprehension. <laughs> yeah. I sure I'm glad I'm so much smarter now. Damn, okay then. Uh, so... <laughs> What was <laughs> what were we discussing before the mummies? Um, oh, just the light deck, really, and and the meta, and yeah, trying yeah. to counter the meta, you know. Yeah. Um, I was playing some boron zoo, which I did pretty good against both. Um, Zoe and Lotus, but it basically comes down to what Bacon said. You know, it's so frustrating, even if you have a positive win rate against Lotus, which I didn't. But even if you do have a positive win rate against Lotus, it's it's. Uh, feels bad, man, most of the games, just to, I mean, you're, you're basically racing, so you're like, uh, you know, always anxious about whether or not you're going to be fast enough, and then the you just watch the life total go up, and um, then you just have bad things happen to you, 
Um, and then Somnia is the kind of the opposite. You're racing to stay alive. It's an interesting, and Bacon said it exactly like polarizing uh, meta that everything that fits in between has to try and be good at taking out fast and long, which is a just an awkward state. Yeah, you need yeah. to outlast Samya, but overrun Lotus, unless you want to go to Mirror Match Hell. Yeah, at this point, as I, I think playing against Lotus is, is really like playing against Control in Magic the Gathering. Like, uh, usually if we if you win again, you, you don't feel like you are doing anything. Like, the opponent is just messing their hands and can't do anything. You just hit their hero every turn and they die. And uh, if you lose again, usually uh, you just watch them remove every, and everything you play and ramp, and you cannot do anything. So you are choosing between you feel like you are not doing anything and uh, you cannot do anything. And <laughs> that's kind of frustration you're playing against control decks. But I think yeah, we have every type of, of players that enjoy different decks and Finally, we have such control decks in Skyweaver, uh, which provide a different feel. I, I, have some, I, I have a mixed feeling about this one because I also don't like to play against removal ramps thing, but uh, there are certain players who enjoy this. And uh, I have to uh, choose Magic the Gathering, for example. Like if you play Temuel or Asper, you are doing this like everything again to your opponent. And those two are um, two dominating archetypes in certain uh, environment of magic gathering. So I guess it's a valid archetype. Uh, it's just not my thing. Yeah. And in terms of the infinite infinities, I think maybe, do you think if we add another plus one cost to the card, it will feel better? No. No, the problem is that with infinite infinities, and also invest, but really this would probably still work with just infinities, you technically don't need any units to beat your opponent. Because if you just play removal and you just trade with them one for one, and if you play absolutely no units, your opponent is already going to incur minus ones from just having dead draws. So like, if you want to play... Uh, Halcyon, and then I play Incinerate, and then you play Light Ranger, and I play Judgment, and we just walk up the curve. Lotus already has a passive plus one just from his ability. He has plus ones in his draws, and he also is going to have like ramping and healing that can negate your effects. If you're already recovering from all of those like minus ones that you take just because your opponent isn't playing any units, your opponent doesn't even have to trade all of their cards one for one with you. They just have to kill all of your units. And then you have however much health you have. Lotus has more because, you know, they've been ramping and healing the whole time. And then they can just infinities you into oblivion. They can get to 99 health. They can punch you with invest and then you just die. Or they can bury you in card advantage from out of deck when they probably start playing units because, you know, there's not any reason not to. Even if you kill them, it doesn't matter. But they don't actually need to. They don't need to run units in the main deck. And that's why you don't see Lotus really run units in the main deck. They have Water Wisp. Not because it's a unit, but because it ramps them. That's all they care about. Functionally, it just ramps both players and heals them too. They've got the Earth Wisp, which literally has no power. 
they have Spirit of Sleep, which is just a stall card. And if you're lucky, they will run Mixolatron with Menglong's Wish, although frankly, I think that is a deck-building mistake. So, no, making, like, Infinities one mana more expensive isn't going to do anything. You need to fundamentally change how that card works. Well, I mean, uh, the similar deck in other card scans are doing the exactly same stuff. They just don't run units. And they just defense and ramp. Yeah. So, but like uh, that doesn't saw, have I to think... be control. Like Eternal, uh I played Eternal for 2 3 years before I came over to Skyweaver. They had control decks for a very long time that were actually very unit heavy. Like Felm control decks didn't run ramping because it didn't exist for their prisms. But uh they had access to like other good stabilizing control cards. They had good kill spells, they had good AoEs. And they had, like, chunky units that had lifesteal and good stats. And, like, that made it viable to play control with those colors. You don't have to build control with just ramp and healing and removal. You can do it with units, too. It's just that the game right now doesn't support that. Yeah, I think Eternal is a card game that relies on units heavily than others. Yeah. Because uh, uh, in Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic the Gathering, uh, you can sign run run some decks with certain win cons that doesn't require you to play any units. Yeah. Now Eternal kind of um, like screwed himself balance-wise because they started printing a lot of cards that would like transform every unit in your opponent's hand and deck into a 0-1 seed that doesn't do anything. Or for the rest of the game, your opponent can't play this unit. So like I'm not recommending Eternal to anybody. Uh, <laughs> last I played, the balance was uh, completely bonkers and it made me quit. But uh... Yeah, it, control can be done well with units. You just have to know what you're doing. Yeah. And also, if you will start to see a lot of bloaters in the meta, you can also do some modification to your deck building ideas. For example, if you think you need strike down and you feel like uh, you're playing against a lot of control deck that doesn't run any units at all, Maybe it's a good time to switch Strike Down into Arcane Raid or something like that. Uh, because that's how uh, people trick their deck in Magic Gathering when a control deck is dominant in the meta. Uh, you have some options that um, basically you want to choose removal spells that also have burn capabilities so that if you got nothing to remove, at least you can play these on the opponent hero. And I think maybe uh, instead of focusing on the balance of the control deck's card, we can mo maybe print some uh, more arcane raid. Like Chakrang is also a good example. Uh, <laughs> and suddenly I don't want to go deeper into this topic because I know Bacon also <laughs> have his specific opinion on the burn spells. <laughs> so I was like going to say, yeah, we need more burn spells. And <laughs> I kind of estimate Bacon, Bacon's reaction. I mean, so not necessarily burn spells. I do think there could be a place for like good OTK decks in the game. Like usually OTK has the role in the metagame of being a check on how lame control decks need to be the win. Because, like, control decks can have a race to the bottom. If control is the dominant archetype, the way that control decks beat other control decks is by stacking more value, because value is their win condition. And that can kind of create games where nobody...
plays cards on the first three, four turns, or they're just like, they just both know that the other person is going to play over-efficient removal as soon as they drop a unit. So you're both going to be like, trying not to make the first move, and that's not really a great game. So you can have like, good OTK decks on top that are like, okay, if you don't do anything, then I will kill you on turn 10, or whatever. And like, that can actually be like, a very healthy and enjoyable thing for the metagame. Because you know, aggro decks get to race against basically another control player, it's just like anything else. Mid-range decks get to kind of play a bit more risky, which can be interesting. And control decks now have the question of, okay, did I properly build my deck? Do I have enough fun interactive tools that I can actually handle this combo deck? Or was I too lame and I'm going to brick and now they are going to kill me for free because I was lame? And like that can all be cool. The issue is that in Skyweaver, combo decks, especially OTK decks, have usually been far better at killing aggro than control decks. Because aggro decks have historically been not very good in decks, especially like Zam and Banner combo, have been very fast. So like if you play Fox or Zoe into them, they will remove, remove, remove. Okay, it's turn 7. Time for 40 points of face damage with Zam. Whereas control decks can like sit back. You know, I can play a Flame Phoenix and then you can't do your Banner combo. Or I can play Dracomantium and now Zam just doesn't hurt me. So, uh... I think that, like, you could have good, fair, and interesting OTK decks that could probably help with this meta some. At the very least, help with Lotus. And you could probably get that in Ari just by making his control tools a bit better. You set him up to maybe do something with Cryogen, Vafios, or Zam. I don't know how you would do that specifically. But the issue is that you yeah, don't want to make his control too good, because then he can just stuff out aggro, and then we're back at the same problem. Yeah, I I think Ari is actually a good example of what you just said, because if you are playing Lotus against Ari, you will feel a lot of pressure on their turn nine or turn ten because you know the their the uh, intellect Titan and Quadrant can count in the next turn and deal a lot of damage to your face, and I think uh another issue about using ODK deck as the balance uh, to the meta is that um, you want these OTK decks to be in the meta so that control cannot just uh, sit back and don't do anything, otherwise they will be dead. But guess what? Uh, you, you know, if you are playing against, if you are playing Lotus and you are playing against OTK deck, your best bet is to just heal out of their OTK range. Yep. Yeah, that, yeah, that's so, why they need to have a, like, radically high damage range. But but then, if you if they have so so much damage, they will beat every single mid-range deck. Well, not necessarily. You reduce their speed. The whole approach to mid-range is having cards that are above curve along the mana. Or along the entire, like, mana curve. So they can adjust how they play into decks. The thing is that, like, well, you only want combo decks to be in meta as a check against control decks being too strong. You want them to be viable enough to where, like, people who just enjoy them can play them and not feel bad about it. But I don't think you actually want OTK decks as part of, like, the general, like, null state meta, so to speak. Mm, mm, I, I think that, that, that bring another issue about Lotus. Uh, it's 
it's actually not the stealing control deck. It has two specific win con, which is don't stay and invest. So uh, if you need to build, uh, if you need more time to build enough damage in these kind of deck, uh, your opponent might be the one who play their OTK first because they went up uh, at fastest speed in every single prison. Yeah, that's definitely like a design challenge for OTK decks. The trick is that you just have it just has to be like barely faster than the control deck. So if the control deck can reliably kill you with Doomsday at like 20 mana, you want to make sure that their combo can reliably go off before they hit 20 mana. So you'll set their combo price at like 15 or something. Yeah, that's why my my first idea is to further increase the cost of infinite infinities. Well, yeah, but we also don't really have that kind of OTK deck in the game. Even if you put yeah, even if you spend twenty mana to put Cryogen and Vathios together, that's thirty three damage. Thirty six if you add your hero attack. Lotus is like swimming at sixty health half the game. Especially by the time you get the 20 mana, because that's like 20 natural turns. Now, do you decrease the cross cost on Cryogen? No. Do you decrease the cost on Vafios? No. Maybe you set it up with Zam, because Zam can trigger off of Vafios, but like that's that's the same damage. So now we're at 17, and uh, that doesn't work. Inve Infinity is just not a healthy card. Even if it goes out of meta, it's going to be radically bad. Like, if you just nerf it to the point where it's no longer a viable strategy, then you've just killed a card. And I think that we should try and yeah. avoid that with balance changes. Because, like, we've killed a lot of cards with nerfs. I hate to see it, and we should try and avoid that. Well, yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Yeah. Handle, you've been quiet. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah. No, I actually was kind of uh, distracted. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if we have to kill a card... I mean, then we should be able to. We can't be a hundred percent against killing a card if there is something that, oh yeah, um, yeah, is like is so so bad, and we are like we can't get rid of its uh, like interaction. We we made this whatever we do, we can alter it, but we can't get rid of it. Having that hard line in the sand could create issues in the long run. Um, I'm not telling them what to do with this in this instance, but I think having a uh, absolute never remove a card from viability, you know. It, it's interesting. It's also interesting with an NFT game as well with that ideology. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not of the position of never kill cards. My general philosophy for any change is you should have a specific goal you are trying to achieve. That goal should be concrete. You should have a very clear path that you're getting to it. But I think that you should try and adjust the cards as little as possible. Like I'm cool with a lot of changes, but I think that it should be a lot of small changes. I don't really like big radical changes to cards. Well, I 100% agree with you, and I 100% I, I think that's a better design area. I just feel like we haven't really found a place where we've been stable enough to make small changes because there's been something always wild in the meta for the last year, you know, or at least yeah. six months that we haven't found a place where we can be like, all right, everything's okay. Let's make small changes for fun, entertainment, and sm slight balance patches. Every patch we've had to drastically adjust something because something is drastically wrong. Yeah. And mm. frankly, that is kind of uh, something that the philosophy I just stated wouldn't really address. 
I do think that there also needs to be a very proactive element with cards and how we adjust and look at them. A lot of the discount stuff, a lot of the like mana acceleration people had been saying was problematic for a very long time. But there's a policy. I don't know if this is like a specific written down policy or if this is just a de facto policy with how things have shaken out. But cards don't really get nerfed unless they are immediately causing a problem. And I think that that is a issue. I think that that is partially what leads to a lot of the difficulties we see in a lot of the metas. Like, a while back, I built a deck that could just reliably hit Iron Mask in, like, turn 7, turn 8. I mean, it was kind of fun. It wasn't especially, like, a wild deck. But is... Are we okay with Iron Mask being played on turn 7, turn 8? What kind of games does that create? What about having Iron Mask in a Banjo decks where, you know, they just play spells? That's not a problem now, but do we think it'll ever be? Have we seen exhaust decks in the past before that just don't play units? Yeah, so, like, could it be? And why don't we try and address those things ahead of time? It would save us a lot of headache. Yeah, I think what you're saying, though, is that we need to know what's going to happen ahead of time, and we need to have some foresight, and we've been playing catch-up so much we don't really have that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, a lot of the time when I, like, make balance suggestions, people give me flack because, like, I say, why are you... T or I'll say something wild, like, hey, this random unit that nobody has seen in three years... We should really give it, like, minus one, minus one. And you're like, Bacon, what the hell are you talking about? That card is, like, buried in the basement. It's behind the wine cellar. It's been bricked in. And I'm like, well, yes. But five years from now, it will probably be a problem. And, like, am I right on that? Usually not. But every now and then, you do get a Ether Whale that's, like, an eight-mana spell with a Rosewater Charm, and people are playing that shit on 4. And, like, some things are just foreseeable. And, uh, we should deal with that ahead of time. Yeah, I'm yeah, kind of just repeating uh, myself by now. Yeah, I'm going to repeat myself a little bit, too, but I agree with you. I totally agree with you. But I, the thing is, it's not short-sighted to have drastic things and change them and worry about other things later. It's being, um, you know actionable if you have drastic things and you change them a you don't know exactly what's going to happen so other tangent like small changes might adjust but also like if you have two people working their ass off you know for two balance patches a month maybe you can make five really big changes and then have to push the next problem the five years down the road problem or even six months down the road problem tell we have a little bit more time to worry about it. I just, I think that they're doing a lot of work. They're working really hard. And Skyweaver just inherently at this point hasn't found a place where they can make small changes and have a healthy game. Oh, yeah, I certainly agree that, like, there needs to be a prioritization. And a lot of, like, the down-the-road problems, like, you can leave them for down-the-road but you do need to address them before they actually become a problem. The reason that we've always been playing catch-up with patches is because we always have these down-the-road problems that keep re-emerging. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, actually, that's how I think balance works, because we have priorities. Yeah. Like, that's why patch 119 really disappointed me. Like, was any card change in it especially bad? No, not really. But did I feel like kind of... We're waiting on a lot of things that we shouldn't be. 
like I feel like Frostmaiden is going to be a issue card because it's really efficient at just shredding through boards with Ari. And right now Ari isn't really super viable. People are using him as like a they're trying to triangulate between Samya and Lotus. But as soon as Ari gets viable, people are going to get really pissed at Frostmaiden just deleting their boards. And we could solve that now with a very simple and easy change. Frostmaiden only triggers with one mana or higher water spells. But we haven't done that yet because reasons. Because 119 had to be nine cards, it could not even nine, seven cards, it couldn't be ten. That seems like a miss. I mean, like, yeah, that's well, a specific other, example. Here, that doesn't here's really... the other problem with that, is yeah. then you have, uh, and I think this is kind of probably a problem that should be, you know, noted. We take Frostmaiden down at 119 to only one or more cards. Yes, it solves a future problem, but it puts Ari behind more against Samia when it's already behind. So they're saying, you're taking my deck I'm barely winning with, and you're making it worse. Well, I mean, part of that would also be actually addressing Samya in 119 instead of the token nerf of Solara. Like, th there's a lot more units that you could have hit in Samya. And, like, I get that it's a check-in patch. I know that these ones are supposed to be small, but frankly, I'm not the biggest on that approach to begin with. Or if they are supposed to be small, I feel like 7 and 6 and 5 is a bit too small. I, don't know, I want us to get to a point where we don't even have to have two patches a month. You know, I want I want Skyway yeah. to reach that at some point. Yeah, like that would be a lot better for uh, like resources because like developing patches and putting them out is like costly and time consuming and all of that. You eventually do just want a stable game, but uh, right now I don't think we'd be ready for it. Yeah, we, uh, we can say that you know as we just went between. 118 and 119 was three weeks, right? I don't think so. It wasn't It wasn't three weeks per se. It was that 118 released on a Monday. It, it came out a few days earlier. So there was slightly more time than usual, but it wasn't actually like a different patch cycle. Hmm, yeah. But actually, uh, I have different ideas about Pitch 119. Uh, I actually like the fact that they only nerfed Solara in in Sanya, uh, and the reason is because uh, since the release of the hero abilities, um, at at the week that it is released, we are seeing a ridiculously high win rate for Sanya. But uh, after that week, her win rate is just keeps getting decreasing and decreasing over the week. And that probably means uh, players already, uh, players are starting to get the idea of how to play against Senya and also how to build their deck around them. So uh, I think the meta is actually stabilizing. And the reason that uh, I think Solara really need the immediate nerve is because uh, in certain matchups, uh, no matter your deck is building around Senya or not, if they just play Solara, uh, on curve and they use their hero ability to create two additional songbirds and you don't have any immediate immediate answer to their board you can just resign actually uh, i am not the kind of players that resign a lot because uh, if if i think i still got a slight chance to fight back in the later turns i i just keep playing but they are 
a decent amount of games that makes me remember them uh, against Sanya that I have to resign on turn four because I have no answer to their their board, uh, and it's because Solara. So I think this nerf is uh pretty well deserved. But for other cards, I think uh, we can try to give the meta more time to see how they are doing to these oppressive decks, and and I think they are. Uh, respectful amount of players who is capable of trying their deck building skills against these meta decks yeah so i don't think there's a specific agility card i would say you need to target with samya right now and i understand i I'll completely understand the um idea not to immediately change the hero power when new ones are coming out so soon and when um people are just adjusting to it but I will add, as far as the win rate going down, you have to figure that the more it wins, the more people start playing it. And the more people who start playing it, the more likely it's going to get go down. As more players play it, there'll be worse players playing it. And also, the more players playing it, the more beneficial it is to counter it specifically. Oh, yeah, I agree. I but, can't uh, at least name if even one. If oh. consider those fact that... but. The win rate still stabilized to a certain point. Like, for example, I think 53 or 54% is pretty healthy. And if they reach that point, I think uh, it's probably fine. Hang on. You can't you can't only look at win rate when talking about whether or not a card or deck is healthy. If Samya is like 53% win rate but 90% play rate, that's not healthy. Oh, uh, yeah. Of course, uh, I I'm just uh, win rate is a aspect that we do analyze in in balance process, uh, balancing process, and uh, I'm just saying that fifty three and 50, uh, something around that is a probably fine number, but uh, if anything about fifty five percent, I think maybe uh, we should be more cautious at balancing those. Yeah. I do think yeah. that like 53, 54 is a good benchmark for whatever like the top tier decks are because something is inevitably always going to be higher and better. But uh, you want to make sure that whatever is higher and best and fun or I just slipped that in. Whatever is higher or best and is adjusting the meta around it is something that is actually fun to play into and play against. Do you guys want to move on and just talk briefly? We don't need to take up very much more time, but we can talk briefly about the dual prism powers and also the dual prism power contest. Yeah, we can talk about yeah, yeah, them. Sure. I've gotten a bit ranty, so we can get to a different subject. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I wrote up a bunch of hero power prism powers for the contest, and then I realized you can only submit two, and I lost my list, but. Um, yeah, I'm excited to submit. I think the hardest thing for me when designing the Prism Powers was making sure they were weak enough to, you know, be weaker than the current uh, single Prism Powers. Oh, yeah. So, uh, right now, we have all the dual Prism Hero with the same hero ability, which is Vitality. So... Uh, I think this gives us a broad idea of how much value the Steel Prison Hero's ability should generate. They, they think it's around plus 4 heals. And plus 4 heals is like uh, 
how do I calculate? How do we calculate it? I I think it's kind of equal to having a additional two cost card, or something around that. Hmm. Yeah, com converting health to like an actual card or a mana value is really tricky, because the value of health scales throughout a game, like. One extra hit point at 32 hit points is much less valuable than one extra hit point when you have six. So it's kind of hard yeah. to evaluate. Yeah, so this is this is kind of more like a benchmark than a real ability, in, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. it's also yeah. kind of difficult because you might say if you're Lotus, one extra health point isn't as, or, you know, isn't as valuable as if you're Zoe where Zoe is more likely to get down to low, and Lotus will play many games without ever getting too low hit points. Um, I just thought. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, like, just I what you... your archetype you are affects a lot of how that health is worth. Yeah. So, uh, when I try to uh, create these dual prison hero abilities, my first concern is actually not balanced. You guys might hate me about that, but... I was trying to find the uh, correct way to uh, steal this ability into their hero so that this ability can fit into those heroes' door. And it's kind of interesting oh, in this yeah, way. Yeah, that's a great and approach. So, that's that's how I think yeah. you should be doing it. Yeah, that's what I started with too. And then I realized all my powers were too strong. So I had to like keep that idea and then you know weaken them. But womp, I think womp. I was able to do that. But yeah, I definitely wanted to... Uh, I definitely want the hero powers, and I think this has always been the idea, the hero powers should look like something that hero would do in a movie with that hero, you know, or a story that involves them. Your hero powers should be something that would happen in that story about them. Yeah. And I think this is uh, more difficult compared to Mono Prison heroes, because uh, in Mono Prisons, uh, you kind of have a very clear idea of how the uh, prison identity identity fit into the game and also i think the model prison heroes uh have their own storage which really just uh fit in the prison layer in but with dual prison hero it's kind of uh more complicated because uh now they have their own story and they also have access to two different prisons so yeah uh i think uh for example fox might be an easier one but uh, I think Banjo can be a really tricky one. Uh, do you guys de already decide which hero you're gonna going to submit? Uh, I've got three heroes. I'm still bouncing between. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying it won't possibly change, but right now I have the solid idea of what I'm gonna submit. Okay. Frankly, I don't oh, think I you guys actually. should even bother submitting. I'm going to win with mine. Um. Uh. Yeah. Uh. I. I actually worry about. Uh. If I should submit or not, because I'm just too good at winning prizes. Yeah, you won yeah. the last. Sidus, we got first and second. Sidus, we probably should abstain. Hey, hang on, hang on. I was judging last time. I'm not judging this time. I. Let's just say that you're not getting any internal favors. Oh, oh no. he's saying he gave you the win. No, actually, yeah, what I discovered I... from the judging process, and this will be a little trinket for uh, all the listeners, I felt like I was a very nice grader. We had like a little sheet where we graded things, and it was like, oh, 
they did really good on their lore. Five out of five. This person submitted... I don't even know what for lore. Zero out of five. And like, I'm like, okay, this is cool, this is cool. Four, 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 four. And then I look over across, and one of the devs, I will not name who, is like, two, two. Pathetic, zero, two, two. And like, that was it. So, uh... You know who it was? Some, it was Marcelo. Some, Marcelo was just like, you know what? I hate these freaking people. They're always talking <laughs> crap to me on the Discord. This is how I get them back. <laughs> no, Marcelo looked at your submission and he went, this isn't the mushroom prism. Zero out of ten. <laughs> and he went back and he, he graded He gave me five every... extra points and then took them away. Yeah, no, he went back and he regraded everybody on a zero to ten scale so that way he could reduce your score even more. <laughs> Oh, that is oh, definitely uh, what happened. Ma uh, Marcelo is also in the justice for this contest, right? I think so. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Okay. I should we, submit. We, 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 I should submit a we, mushroom power because he yeah, would yeah, vote yeah. for I that. Just, <laughs> that's what exactly I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. See, if you know, if you know who the hardest judge is, and like, if you know who the easy judges are, then you know who you need to pander to, because you'll get more points comparative to uh other judges if you pander for the person who has like the most points you can gain from that makes sense um who uh who thinks one mana put a doom shroom on the bottom of your deck uh i don't know you can that's put terrible the button it's yeah because it's a brand yeah no it's terrible yeah, but they're all gonna the, be kind of terrible yeah the top and bottom cards do not exist in skyweaver a fun fact whenever you draw it is literally just a random pull out of whatever is left in your deck there right. is no order <laughs> yeah i think one calls put a fun guy into your hand is probably playable one guy in your hand that's probably playable yeah i mean it's an extra card it buffs yeah i can see that like I mean, I... <laughs> imagine spamming that every turn and then eventually on turn five you just play like five fun guys and it's like all right, that's my play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty wacky. It can be like, fun guy, fun guy, fun guy, fun guy, fun guy, and then uh, undergrowth fun guy. <laughs> I remember making one puzzle that you have six fun guy in the opponent's board, and the challenge is to kill them one by one. So you have to kill the one, one, two, two, three, three, four, yeah, four, yeah, five, yeah. five, and six, six, yeah. I got um, something for oh, y'all. I, I love that puzzle. Yeah. Did you know that Fungi used to have a meta deck in Skyweaver? No. Yeah. Uh, we called it Fungi Printers. You play City, and then you have uh, all the copy cards with, like, Unfallow and Forest Heart, and you would just keep playing Fungi, and it would stack your deck full of Doomstrooms. And then, like, you know, you would just play a bunch of Doomstrooms, and they have Wither, and they hit everything. Armor wasn't really utilized at the time. Uh, there weren't very many good armor cards, and, uh, frankly, Intellect as a Prism was just kind of weak. But, uh, you know what was really good? Draw power. So you could just play a lot of Doom Shrooms, and then eventually your opponent could lose because they run out of cards, and you still have, like, 12 more Doom Shrooms in your deck. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine in the old times, uh, you're probably happy if you draw a Dungeon. Because it, it's a 5 ghost card, you should be happy in most of the archetype if you draw a 5 ghost card. But it's no, no longer the, the case now. Yeah. Uh, even if you play an extremely 
aggressive list. You don't want to draw Dungeon. No. Which is kind of sad, because yeah. Doomstream is like one of the more iconic cards of Skyweaver. Yeah. Like it's memorable. I don't know. We need that Shroom support archetype. Maybe that's what the hero ability needs to be. Passive. All of your Shrooms have plus one, plus one. Call it spores, and then we give it, you know, uh, aura effect of shrooms come into play with uh, uh, do one damage to enemy hero or enemy unit or whatever. Nah, we call it buff shroom. Buff shroom. <laughs> well, okay, guys. Uh, if I've ever made submissions, I'm going to submit uh, my and EXO abilities. You're gonna do a my shrooms? Uh no no no. I mean <laughs> You're doing Axel Shrooms? Axel maybe. No. I'm glad you divulged that information. I'm not spilling. Okay. But uh, Why? What are what am I gonna do? Hypothetically. I I don't what? know. I'm not there gonna is, spill on the podcast. There is a side. I was discussing with uh one of my people I talked to that uh, you might have better odds submitting an ability that other people don't submit for. Because, like, let's say that you and somebody else both submit an ability for Fox, and they're both rather similar. Who do the judges vote for? Because, like, you're... Uh, they like better. Because, yeah, like, originality is part of the grading criteria. So if you and somebody else submit a similar ability, you both lose points for creativity. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, so you kind of want to submit for something that other people won't submit for. And if you do... But you, you have no idea how what other people is going to submit, right? That's right. Additionally, you're instructed as part of the rules to try and submit within the bounds of like the uh, lore and design of those heroes. Which means that for whatever hero you submit, there are already pre-prescribed notions about what that hero's identity and prism themes are. So, like, if you submit an ability for Fox, well, Fox is aggressive. He's got strength, so we might expect some buffing. And then he's got agility, so you might expect, like, uh, some multi-attacking or something. What if somebody puts together, I don't know, whenever your hero attacks, give an ally unit plus one power. Is that maybe a cool ability? Yeah. Can that do interesting things? Sure. Forget about balance for a second because that ability is probably wacky good. But uh, how many other people are going to come up with that as like one of their first ideas? Probably a good number as soon as they pick Fox. So like, do you really want to submit that ability? Probably not. Just because there's a lot of risk involved. Yeah, I thought about this, but I realized nobody thinks as wild and crazy as I do. Yeah. Well, uh, you got you know that right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's an interesting question. Because also, you could get a lot of originality for something strikingly simple. If everybody is thinking about this, and everybody tries to do these wacky, out-of-box ideas... Oh my god, do not play the freaking might. Like, this is not a situation <laughs> where you have to, like, try and outthink everybody with the strategy of what you're going to submit, Bacon. Not... Bro, it's, I want uh, first. I want the money. Okay, I get that, but not everybody is thinking about all this stuff. And then you you can't be like, okay, since 
This doesn't need to be the princess bride, all right? <laughs> Damn it, man. I am getting a PhD partially in game theory. I am going to use my skills. Since they're thinking I'm going to go easy, they're going to go complicated. And since I know they're going complicated, I should go easy because it's also creative and more like, I don't know, man, just... Yeah, yeah, this is just a basic mixed strategy Nash Equilibria. Did you even read in high school? You have two options. <laughs> Do one of each. Yeah, so a mixed strategy Nash Equilibria. Cool. Maybe that was what I was okay. going to do. Maybe I'm just... Maybe my strategy is submit the most simple, basic, intuitive ideas I could think of and then laugh because everybody else tried to come up with these, like, wacky tier 5 mental gymnastic prism things and then when everybody does that, nobody looks unique. And so I have the ability that a new player can understand in five seconds. I just don't think that it's even possible. <laughs> We're going to get what? We're going to get 20 submissions? Like, that's not enough to have everybody be similar and complicated. Because nobody's going to come up with the same complicated, crazy stuff. You know, Hansel, I've, got, an, it, I've got another hypothesis. Maybe I'm just I'm trying ready. to throw you off your game. Me maybe I'm just talking game? all of this up. Yeah, maybe I'm trying to get I you to change your submissions. I just said I knew what I'm submitting. Okay. Well, do you? How do you know? What does it mean to know your submissions handle? What am I going to... What are you going to accomplish here? <laughs> you throw me off because you think I'm your highest, biggest competition. Is that what you're saying? Like, I got to get gotta get in Handel's mind because he's the one that's going to take me down. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I should really be focusing on Sidus more. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, imagine after all these, uh, Bacon end up didn't getting any prizes. Not not even in top five. Man, that'd be rough. Yeah, not even in top five. I would definitely be happy to record a, a future episode oh, yeah. full of sarcasm. I will actually do sound bits <laughs> if we have this situation. I'll actually go back oh, yeah. to this episode and create sound bits. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not, it's not up until like August 3rd and then they'll announce it on August 4th. Honestly, I don't know if I can even enter because, like, I'm part of the playtesting group and, like, I know a few things about abilities that are coming up. So I don't know if that, like, puts any. Oh, he's scared of being made fun of. So now he's thinking uh, he's not even going to submit. He's like, well, if they're going to put all this pressure on me, I'm not even going to play part of this game. Fine. I don't want to be in your treehouse. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they didn't say anything. So, like, I'm sure it's fine. What do you think happens if someone submits almost identical to what the devs came up with? Do you think, oh, they're not creative, or oh, they're so in tune with the game, they got what we got? Oh, I no. will say uh, whatever thing is more flattering to Coulter and Mata, because I've spent like half of this episode shitting on their balance process. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't they want to be on the episode, guys? No. Honestly, I was surprised. <laughs> Okay, this is a joke. I don't mean this, like, seriously. But, like, we must have done a bad job if they want to be on the second, like, if they want to come back. Like, if we did no. our interview right, we should have ran them off. No, I, I like them when they, they're, see, this is the thing. They're open to criticism, and they're open to listening to what we got because they want to, you know, learn in advance. So a little bit of health, as long as we're not, like, literally attacking them. You know, I think that that's something they can... I mean, I don't know their mindset, but they might also be under pressure to you know, look good. But no, I. why would? Why did we possibly do that made them want to not come back? We talked about 
um, the trolley problem. Oh, shit. Yeah, I did. I had completely forgotten about that. I should get another uh, philosophy problem to ask them about. That's what I have. I have want. no matter how often <laughs> I have issues with the design or balance of the game and how we need to go one way or another way or we need to get somewhere solid. No matter how much I talk about that, I like Matt and Coulter and I'm never calling for their head. Oh, yeah. Matt is a cool dude. I sent him a <laughs> idea for a card a while back. That was entirely built off of a very bad pun. And he, uh, he actually really liked it. So a card with a very bad pun might be added to the game in, like, two years. But you'll never know which one it was. Is it worse than 2.30? Oh, it's so, it's terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> Honestly, by that well, metric. Well, no one is because it's a vulpine with a pun. It's not going to be that hard to find. I don't know, man. It could be something else. Could be mm. anything. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You would have said it's not a vulpine if it wasn't a vulpine. You're only saying it might not be because it is. Or maybe it's not a vulpine, but I wanted you to think it was a vulpine so I don't get tracked down. So therefore, knowing, the that you would, knowing that you would think that I would have said it's not a vulpine <laughs> if it wasn't a vulpine, oh knowing that, God. I actively chose not to to trick you into thinking that it was a vulpine. I can play this game all day. Bullshit word I'm, salad is yeah, my see, like, main that, menu. You know, <laughs> you're burning too many calories thinking bacon. Bro, that's how I say slim. Alright. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Are we are we solid on this episode, you think? Hmm. Uh I think Bacon mentioned that we can discuss about his deck building mind process. At some point, I we were talking like about the Zoe for a while. I thought that was what it was. He, he, his deck building process was oh, to target my... both the top two meta decks. Oh, yeah. I guess we were going to talk about it more broadly, though. We've got more episodes with plenty of time to talk about stuff. So. Next episode, Sidus actually gets to share his opinions on the game. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's uh, let's have a parting word from each of you guys. I think I've spoken enough today. I'll just leave it to Sidus. Oh, uh, I, I, I was just looking at my own decks to find if I can share more ideas. Oh. And yeah, <laughs> I don't think I have created anything interesting in recent weeks. I'm still trying to adapt to the meta, uh, but. I think, I think the we have kind of the mess after the heroes ability expansion, and the beta is probably pretty binary uh, at the first week. But as the game progress, uh, I think we are seeing more, more and more diverse decks in the meta, and decks uh, the game start to feel uh, enjoyable again. So, uh, and definitely looking forward to. Uh, the uh, impact that new dual prison hero ability brings to the game. So 
that means uh, I'm pretty high for the next next week. Uh, which hey, oh, actually, uh, is the uh win winner announcement before or after our uh recording next week? Uh, it's or announced our- on August the fourth. So yeah, uh, I think it's a Sunday. As, oh as no, record? it's announced on Friday. So we will record. Oh, we can talk about our submissions, and oh, yeah, uh, yeah. we won't know who's won yet. Okay. So I'm pretty exciting for that, and I'm also pretty exciting for the interview with Marta and Kurta. I do have a quick question for you that's gonna get out of this wind down, Sidus. Uh, so when you yeah, talk sure. about um, you know, other decks coming in, specifically Banjo and Axel, and that are starting to be competitive with these mono prisms with hero powers, when we see mono when we see Axel and Banjo hero powers come out, there is a very good chance that they're not gonna make the decks worse and that they will in fact make the decks better, even if by a small small margin. Do you figure that this small margin is gonna be a problem with balance if they're already playable? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely have a uh, concern about this, especially for Banjo, because uh, I think uh, out of all the dual prisons, the one that makes Winston is probably the hardest one to balance around, because uh, I, I think as the meta develop, the most optimal decks for Winston decks will come out the latest, because it requires more uh thinking progress process and experience to uh eventually opti- uh, optimize a wisdom deck uh you can maybe argue that intellect is a pretty powerful competent and uh i think exo is probably a bit more safe because right now the reason that exo uh, is playable in Kurometa is because the uh burn damage and wizard utility for Lampoy uh uh is very useful consider the fact that we have a lot of sanya in the meta so uh, ba- basically uh if you if you do not play into a blood letter longboy is, is always a very good unit in a sanya matchup and um as long as the design of the exo ability uh stays uh far away enough from um land the utility of long boys i think it's probably fine but uh, with banjo uh i just mentioned that intellect can be a pretty powerful p- competent in terms of the opinion about decks and banjo is a mix with intellect and wisdom present which means the potential of that hero is very very hard to estimate correctly so uh the design of Bungeo ability uh, will be probably the most challenging one. So, yeah. I completely uh, agree with you. Yeah. I mean, if worse actually, comes yeah. to worse, you can just make Banjo's ability really weak. Part of the appeal yeah. of introducing so many abilities for heroes is that you can balance the ability. So, you know, if Banjo's card pool is already really good and it's above par with, like, Fox and Horik and Mai and all of them, then you can give Fox, Horik, and my strong abilities, and you can give Banjo vitality. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know what? I think vitality actually is still pretty good into Exo and Banjo. Like, it's a 
it's a useful ability, but not not anywhere near overpowered. So even if uh, in the next one or two patches for dual prison abilities, we are seeing Vitality getting keep on Exo and Banjo, I think it's pretty good. Like even if you play a more aggressive list for these heroes, the plus four heroes are still very, very useful for them, but not overrated or anything. Oh, okay, guys. We'll just call out there. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks, guys, for participating. It was really fun. Oh, I wanted to tell you something, Bacon. I'm going to just throw this in at the end. Uh, just because of you, I uh, turned vegetarian two months ago so I could have less bacon. What? Yeah, man. Oh. No. No. Yeah. Out of piss handle... off a Texan. I will be praying for you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everybody have a wonderful... Uh, day, night, and life.